this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 96 of the Never Not Knitting Podcast. As always, thank you so much for joining me. I'd like to start out today's show by announcing the winner of last episode's drawing giveaway. Everyone who left a comment on my blog under the show notes for episode 95 was entered to win the adorable Katrinkles knitting needle gauge and button set of their choice for my online shop. I randomly chose between the comments left using the online random number generator, and I'm happy to announce that the winner is Courtney Clegg or Cordy Clegg on Ravelry. Congratulations, Courtney. I'll be in touch with you shortly so that I can get this prize mailed on out to you. Thank you to everyone who participated. So I know that two months have passed since I last recorded an episode, and a lot has happened in those past two months. First, I should definitely mention Stitches West. As you know, I went there as a vendor, and this was my very first time doing a booth by myself at the show, and wow, it was so much harder than sharing a booth. I can't even believe the difference. We had to rent a big trailer, and we packed up my entire little shop. It kind of felt like moving, only twice, because we had to pack up the shop, unpack it at the show, pack it back up again, and then unpack it again, and get the shop all put back together. We got back from the show in the middle of the night on Sunday night, and on Monday, I literally felt like I had been run over by a truck. I don't know if I've ever been so tired before in maybe my whole life. That being said, though, our time at the show, in between, you know, packing and unpacking, couldn't have been more fun and exciting. I loved how our little booth turned out. I loved seeing all the familiar faces. And I really enjoyed getting to spend time with the designers who flew out for the show and getting to meet people in real life and getting to meet so many knitters I've never met before. It was really, really exciting. Our booth was also really busy during the show and got a great response, which also made me really happy. This year, I brought my 10-year-old daughter to Stitches, who had the time of her life helping us at the booth. She was so excited about working the register that I had to tear her away from her spot to make her take a break for lunch. She stayed all day helping on Saturday and loved every minute, so it was really fun to be able to share that experience with her. She's still talking about it. When the show was over and our shop was put back together again, I kind of felt like a lady of leisure. Amazed by how much extra time I had all of a sudden, since I wasn't consumed with all the prep work for the show. I thought, what was I even doing before I started working on this? I had so much time. So it was at this point that I powered through my final sweater projects for my new baby botanicals book that I've been working on. I got all the knitting finished up, and I get to take the pictures this evening, actually, for the book so I'm really excited about that. These sweater projects have been languishing for quite some time now, 
so it felt like a huge accomplishment to get them all done and squared away. So now I'm working on the patterns and getting the book all finalized. I still don't have a release date on this book, but I imagine that I should have it ready to go in the next few months or so. We're definitely getting close. When I cast off that last sweater for baby botanicals, I immediately cast on for a baby gift for a friend's new baby girl. Whenever there's a new baby born, I always like to make something, if I can. Originally when this baby came, I thought I'd make her a sweater, but after finishing five baby sweaters for the book, I was kind of baby sweatered out. Instead, I cast on a different baby pattern that I had been waiting to knit for about six years now, and I never got around to it. It's the Tiny Shoes pattern by Isolde Teague from her first Whimsical Little Knits book. Yes, I know, this is kind of an old pattern. Why it's taken me so long to make a pair, I have no idea. These little shoes are a Mary Jane style baby booty, and they're pretty much the most adorable little knitted shoes ever. I love them so much. They also, like a lot of Isolde's patterns, have a very fascinating construction. Have you ever started a pair of baby booties with an I-cord before? I hadn't until I made these. I knit these shoes out of a skein of Blue Sky Alpacas Sport in a bright cherry red, and they're really soft and cozy. The alpaca has a really nice halo, so they're kind of fuzzy and soft. I mailed them off to my friend this past week, so I really hope that she enjoys them. I posted some pictures of my finished tiny shoes on the blog and also over on Ravelry if you'd like to check them out. Also, I wanted to mention that since my last episode, I released three new designs. One is the pattern that I used in my mystery knit-along for the large cabled shawl called Four Seasons. And I named it Four Seasons because that was my inspiration for the design. Spring, summer, fall, and winter are all interpreted into the cables, leaves, and lace of this shawl. Another pattern is a textured, botanically inspired hat called Taking Root, with curved vines growing up out of the bottom ribbing of the hat and into the crown. The third is another shawl called Trailing Ivy, and this one is my favorite among the three, I think. This is a half circle shawl with three vines trailing out from the increases on the body of the shawl and into three reverse stockinette stitch pleats. The vines on this one are placed in such a way that when the shawl is worn, one falls down the center of the back and the others gracefully cascade down the length of each arm. I really, really love the way that this one turned out. So if you like knits with texture, cables, leaves, then you'll love these three new designs. You can find them at your local yarn shop, on my website, and also over on Ravelry.com. As far as my current projects go, right now in the needles I have another pair of Lily Slipper Flats from the book Home. You'll recall that I made these a few months ago for a shop sample, and my daughter has been hounding me ever since for a pair of her own. She just brought it up again today, actually. 
I kind of feel like I'm making these for her less as a gift, but more so that I don't have to hear about them anymore. The original pattern fits a woman's size eight foot. So instead of doing the math, I got lazy and I just went down a few needle sizes on her pair. They kind of stretch to fit the foot anyway, so I think we'll be okay. I'm still using the original yarn that the pattern calls for, which is Quince & Company Osprey, which is kind of a bulky Aran weight. So knitting it on these tiny needles is hurting my hands just a little bit, but I'm glad that I am knitting this tightly because I think that it will wear even better. I should have those finished up in a couple of days, and I hope my daughter enjoys her new bulky wool slippers just in time for summer. Now as far as shop projects go, I'm working on a new care package that I'll be shipping out late April. You may recall me talking about the last care package I worked on called Have You Any Wool? with the sheep and wool theme on my last episode. I absolutely loved putting the first one together and I was really surprised when they sold out so quickly. I wasn't quite sure what the response would be, but everyone seemed to really love the idea. And when everyone got their packages, they seemed really happy with them. And I received so many fun unwrapping pictures and thank you notes from knitters, which made me really, really happy. It made me so happy, in fact, that I decided to now do it again. The package that I'm currently working on has the theme wildflowers. And I didn't think it was possible, but I think I might like this one even better than the first. So as a reminder, the care packages are little surprise boxes that are available to purchase from my online shop. And although you'll have an idea of what is inside from the description, you won't really know for sure until you receive your package and open up the lid. Inside, I've put together a collection of fun, handmade products. Many of the items are related to knitting, of course, but there's also some other fun items included as well. Things for your home, your garden, your pantry, etc. Everything in the box follows a cohesive theme, and it's beautifully wrapped, and also it's available at a discounted price than if you were to purchase each item separately. I'm especially excited about this particular kit's packaging. We've been playing with it for a while now, and I've made the decision that each kit absolutely needs to have a beautiful bouquet on the top featuring a seed paper flower that you can actually plant in your garden, as well as beautiful dried spring flowers, all tied up with a bit of twine and a hand-stamped label. Each kit is very detailed and time-intensive, but I love every second of it. I love crafting, so this is really, really fun for me. I wish I could make these things all day long. Of course I love the contents of this kit, but the packaging in my opinion is just especially gorgeous. I like to imagine how the recipients will react when they open up the box. We all have busy lives 
most of us work or have families or other stresses. So I like to think of this as giving yourself a treat. Or maybe this would be a nice treat for someone in your life that works really hard and that you would like to show your appreciation for. It truly is a care package. So just like before, I only have a limited number of these available. So if you'd like to get one for yourself or for a loved one, please act quickly before they all sell out. They are going fast. This time around, I have three sizes and three price points available. And of course, you can find out more about these kits by visiting my online shop at nevernotknitting.com. In this episode, I wanted to share a new book from one of my favorite designers, Carrie Bostick Hogue. You may have heard me mention her before, as she's one of the designers that visited us at the Stitches West convention this year for book signings. Now, I've been a fan of Carrie's designs for the past decade, and I'm in love with the new books she's been coming out with the past few years especially. Just to tell you a little bit about Carrie, Carrie's not only a designer, but is now also a shop owner. She's an amazing photographer and also a graphic designer. I know, right? Carrie previously worked for Classic Elite Yarns and also worked closely with Pam Allen to launch and develop the Quince & Company yarn line. Recently, she has self-published several books, including the beautiful Matter Anthology book series, as well as her newest book, Swoon, Maine. And when I say self-published, I really mean self-published. They of course feature her designs, but she also did all of her own photography and book layout. The only thing she didn't do is print and bind the books herself. These books really are 100% her, and being someone who does self-publish with a lot of help, that's a whole lot of work just in itself, so this really is truly impressive. This is one amazingly talented lady. Now, her books and the designs within are breathtaking, to say the least. Matter Anthology 1 is one of my all-time favorite knitting books. I could see myself wearing every single design in there. And it's always the first book I grab off the shelf to show people at my yarn store. Her latest book, Spoon Main, is more of a collaboration with pattern and content contributions from fellow main designers, such as Cecily Glowick McDonald, Mary Jane Mucklestone, Layla Robb, Pam Allen, Hannah Fettig, and more. The book contains 14 beautiful patterns for both women and children, but almost 200 of the most inspiring photos of knitwear and main landscapes. It really is a beautiful ode to her home state and really so inspiring. All of Carrie's books can be found at your local yarn shop or online on Carrie's website, which is mattermade.com. I invite you to check them out. Carrie has kindly contributed a copy of her newest book, Swoon Main, to this episode's drawing giveaway. If you'd like to enter to win, please leave a comment under the show notes for episode 96 on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. 
You will have until April 15th to enter to win, and I'll be announcing the winner on the next episode. In other exciting news, Carrie will soon be launching a brand new knitting magazine called Making. This will be a biannual publication of projects and inspiration for knitters and makers. The spring issue's theme will be Flora, and I seriously cannot wait to see it. I know, knowing Carrie and how talented she is, it's going to be so beautiful. So I will be eagerly anticipating its arrival. Have you ever wondered how super talented knitwear designers like Carrie even learned how to knit in the first place? Well, today you're going to find out because Carrie has contributed this episode's knitting story. And this is the story of how she learned to knit, entitled Third Times the Charm. When I was about 12 years old, I found my mother's knitting bag as I was snooping around in her closet. I knew my grandmother was a knitter, as we always had plenty of variegated acrylic mittens on hand, which I actually always quietly appreciated. But I didn't really know that my mom was a knitter. She never knitted around me that much. But she did know how, and so I asked her to teach me, and she did. And a few rows and many drop stitches later, I gave up. Years later, uh, when I was in high school, I asked for another tutorial. She again patiently showed me how to knit and purl. Once again, I lost interest after a few rows. Just all felt so foreign, and I couldn't really see what my stitches were doing. It just was confusing to me, I guess. Um, so that was the end of that. And I actually had similar experiences as I was uh, trying to learn how to sew. But my interest in clothes and making clothes continued to grow through high school and college. Around 2001, a year or so after I graduated from college, I was working as a studio manager for a photographer in New York City. And it was, uh, it was such a great job. He was a very talented guy and super fun to work for. He had a studio in the city where we worked most of the time, but uh, he also had a workspace at his loft in Brooklyn. And I was also living in Brooklyn. I was living in Clinton Hill at the time. And we decided to uh, work at his loft occasionally. And I loved those days um, when we did. His wife, his lovely wife, um, is a knitter and a sewer. And I absolutely loved seeing what she was working on um, rather than what we were working on. I loved peeking in casually um, in her space. And she had this industrial sewing machine and a dress form where she occasionally had garments on it. The idea of making clothes still felt very far away from me. It felt like somebody else, something somebody else, other people do, people um, more talented and more patient than myself. But one day, all three of us were driving in the car together into town and into the city, and my boss's wife had a knitting project with her and I got to see her knitting in person. So first of all, this was exciting because of its portability. We were in a car and she was actually working on something. I've been always overwhelmed with um, how much stuff you need to have for photography. Chemicals and um, film, very expensive and just a lot of cumbersome tools. But her tools were elegant and simple. She was using these beautiful wooden needles and some pretty undyed single-ply yarn. I was so used to seeing um, my mom's plastic bent needles and these clunky metal needles. Um, not to knock plastic or metal needles, but 
uh, these were different. These were just absolutely beautiful to me. And the yarn was so rustic. It was like it was right off the sheep, something you absolutely wanted to touch. Uh, so it was a very tactile experience for me and one that sort of elevated the craft in my mind. And this moment was the catalyst for my third attempt to knit, to try to knit. And I uh, went out to my first yarn store after that, that was not Joanne's, and I bought some orange heathered wool and a pair of wooden needles. And on my next trip home, I asked my mom to show me once again how to cast on and knit. And the third time was the charm because I made myself a stockinette stitch scarf, which as you can imagine was pretty horrible, but I did it. I, I started it and I finished it. And from there I made, um, I knitted a pair of slippers and then a poncho. And then from there I actually started designing things myself. I started with a, a lace scarf, but I do feel like I owe the fact that I'm knitting today to those beautiful wooden needles. So. Thank you, beautiful knitting tools. I'm so grateful to have you in my life still. Thank you so much, Carrie, for sharing your story with us. I'll be posting a link to Carrie's Ravelry page as well as her website in this episode's show notes if you'd like to stop by and check out her work. If this story reminded you of your own personal knitting story, please get in touch. I'm always looking for new fun stories to share on future episodes. I would love to hear from you. The subject of Carrie's story reminded me of something I've been thinking about lately on the subject of working with nice materials. Now that I own my own little shop, there are so many people that come in off the street to check it out and I hear the same story over and over again. Oh, I used to knit, but I'm no good at it. Or I tried to learn 20 years ago and I gave up because I knit a scarf and it was really crooked. Or it was way too tight. Or it was way too big. Or it was way uneven. Whatever. When I ask questions like, well, what kind of materials did you use? Or did you make a gauge swatch? The answer, of course, is always, no, I didn't make a gauge swatch. No, I used metal needles from my grandma and whatnot. But what I think is that if you have had the same experience, if you've been frustrated with learning to knit, go ahead and try it with the right materials. It'll make all the difference in the world. When I learned to knit, it was on metal double-pointed needles that were way too small for my yarn, and that was the most frustrating experience in the whole world. I could have just given up then and said to myself, oh, well, I can't knit, it's too hard for me, but I'm so glad I stuck with it. Knitting has absolutely changed my life. I can't imagine what would have happened if I would have just given up. Using the right materials makes all the difference in the world. So if you're listening today and you're interested in giving knitting another shot, ask somebody who knows. Go to your local yarn shop, have them hook you up with the right size needles, with the right size yarn, and give it a try again. You will be amazed by the difference. Don't judge your knitting until you use the right products. 
I had the same experience with sewing. When I was learning to sew a long time ago, as a kid, I just thought, I can't do it. Sewing's not for me. And it's because I was using my mom's old sewing machine that was missing half its parts and it wouldn't stitch right and the thread kept getting bunched up and nobody had ever maintained the machine and the manual was lost and the whole nine yards. So I decided that I wanted to learn to sew again and I splurged and bought myself a brand new sewing machine and got a lesson from the shop owner about how to take care of it, how to thread it properly, and it made all the difference. I feel like for the first time I was finally able to actually learn to sew rather than just fight with the machine the whole time. So materials make more of a difference than you realize. And that is the end of that topic. Thank you for letting me share my feelings on that. As a reminder to everyone listening, you can find the show notes for this episode and all episodes of Never Not Knitting on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry under Never Not Knitting, and if you'd like to get in touch with any questions or comments or story contributions, please email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Well, everyone, that wraps up episode 96. Thank you again so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me again at the end of April for episode 97. Until next time. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a-clicking. From morning until she goes to bed. She won't take the time to brush her teeth. Let's not even talk about her hair. If it isn't about knitting, she just doesn't really care. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching. And the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she doesn't knit. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters. And more socks than they could ever wear. Yard in the fridge, in the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. It's even in the washer and dryer. That's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm finally for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching. And the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Call 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. 
But she can't set down her project She says, just let me finish up this row She's never not knitting And it's making her husband mad Her husband mad She just won't stop her stitching And, well, she's losing all she had